Sports Syndicate. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Boston Sports Syndicate Red Sox podcast to be named later. This is the Syndicate's podcast dedicated solely to the Boston Red Sox and the Major League Baseball. I'm Bill Travis. Thank you for joining us. Major League Baseball is finally back and started its 2020 season uh, in the middle of last week. And we've already got so much to talk about that I think we're just going to jump right into it. And by we, of course, I mean my usual two co-hosts here on the Red Sox podcast to be named later. Matt DeRosha. Matt, how are you? I'm not doing too bad. Uh, I'm excited to be recording tonight. Obviously, uh, baseball, there's a lot on the table for us to talk about. And, you know, I haven't talked to you guys in a while and done a podcast, so I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty pumped for tonight. Still Mr. Positive? Uh, about certain things in life. Uh, <laughs> maybe not so much about your uh, Boston Red Sox, but we're going to get more into that, I bet. Yes, we will. And uh, also joining us, as usual, is the great bloggino himself, Chris Henrik. Chris, how's it going? Guys, I'm doing good. Uh, ready to talk about uh, tough weekend. It's a tough weekend. And that's not even talking about the uh, bachelor party weekend you had. Yeah. No, no. That was the highlight of the weekend, but tough weekend overall. I was going to say, Chris, how bad did you play up in Vermont? You got to play some golf, right? No, we uh, we didn't end up playing any golf, um, so not a lot really to do right now in Vermont, so everything was booked, so we basically, was I think it was nine of us, we had a house, and we did our version of Beer Olympics, and Hard Alcohol Olympics, and had a really good time, a lot of, a lot of competition, a lot of poker, uh, and I lost about $250. Wow, it looks like the Red Sox aren't the only person to have a, a little bit of a rough weekend. No, no. Uh, I also struggled this weekend as well. <laughs> so, Chris, while you were away, of course, uh, the Red Sox had their uh, opening day on Friday night and uh, played a three-game set with the Orioles over the weekend. And uh, when, when the schedule was first announced, everybody looked at this and they said, oh, great, they get a little tune-up with the Orioles to uh, – get ramped up so you know we were all thinking three and oh two of one at the at the very worst and instead not so much they uh had a good start on the friday night game one uh, i think it was 13 to two uh and then pretty much got spanked uh saturday and sunday so guys uh, are, are we looking at uh a long season here if they can't put away with the orioles you know if you guys follow me on twitter at Maddie D underscore Rose. You may have seen that I tweeted after this weekend series that I, for my own sanity, will not give up hope on the Red Sox because I just can't wake up every day knowing that I don't care about the Red Sox while they're playing in games that should be meaningful or could be potentially meaningful one day. So I'm not going to give up on them. But losing two out of three to the Quad A Orioles is a rough look. And I, you know, I. There are other teams that may have dropped some games. I think the Dodgers lost two to the Giants. Uh, I think the Phillies lost two to the Marlins. So it's not just about the losses. It's just about what I saw and the names that I had to look up, quite frankly, because I had no idea that they played for the Boston Red Sox or in the major leagues in in general. So, you know, there are a lot of takeaways. Am I going to call it quits? Am I going to panic? No. But, yeah, this is very, very bad and – it, it, you know, it could be a long 60-game stretch for the Sox. 
Chris, thoughts? So I would say I was feeling pretty good uh, with what I saw on Friday night. I mean, they, they were just tattooing everything that Baltimore was throwing at them. You know, they had, like you said, it was 12, 13 runs. J.D. Martinez was crushing the ball. I mean, this team looked solid. Now, I was a little concerned because Nathan Avaldi had, like, no strikeouts in the first five innings. And it was kind of like, all right, so not good out of your starter. You know, he's going out there. He hasn't caved anybody, and this dude goes 100 miles an hour. But I, I was impressed. I was impressed with the lineup, and I was like, all right, you know, if this team can't pitch, at least they can score five, six runs a game. And then Saturday happened, and then Sunday happened, and this team couldn't hit anything. And, I, you know, I'm just hoping that they're going to get this out of the way now, get this out of your system. Sucks you lose your first, you know, two of three against the lowly Orioles. Like, you got ten games against them. You need to come out of this ten-game series winning eight of them throughout the course of the season. You can't you can't get these layups and just give these this low-hanging fruit away. Um, At home, no less. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it just, it was awful. I mean, the pitching sucks. Like, it just, and I, I've been trying to, I've been trying to be super optimistic about the pitching, you know, and, and again, it's three games. I'm not going to overreact, but three games in a 60 game season, it's a big deal. And, you know, I don't want to kind of buy into a lot of the negativity that's out there about this team, but if, if they come out here in this series against the Mets, and and they put up the same results. They go quickly one and four, one and five. I mean, I I would have to think that six games into the season, they're they're in they're in trouble. Well, coming into the season, we knew the pitching was going to be suspect, and we all looked at it and well, and there were a lot of ifs. Well, if Weber can pitch well, and if Perez can do this, both of them fell flat on their face and couldn't even barely get out of the first inning. You know, they they each. Uh, Surrendered multiple runs in the first inning, which put the team behind right from the start. Before you even come up to bat, you're down three nothing. So and I, you know, that's never and I a desirable like thing to have. And for Weber, that's kind of surprising because earlier in the week during the exhibition, I mean, he pitched pretty well. I mean, granted, he gave up that home run. Um, was it to, uh, to Vladdy Jr.? Yeah. But I, besides that, like he didn't pitch bad at all. And I was, I, I like, I, I was really optimistic for for Ryan Weber and. You know, in between, you know, when I was, you know, out for the weekend, you know, at the bachelor party at the house, you know, I'd pop back in with the game and on the background. I'm like, gee, it's six nothing. Like, and then this dude barely went, you know, not even four innings. It just, yeah. Go ahead, Bill. Sorry. You can get me going. No, no. That's the whole idea of this is to get, <laughs> to get you going. Keep going. Uh, no, it's just, I don't like, I, you see, I need to give Heimblum the benefit of the doubt because he did not have the resources that people before him have had. You know, Dombrowski put him in a really tough spot to build this team. But they're trotting out names like uh, Ryan Weber and, you know, tonight Osich is going to go, what, an inning is what they're saying? Two innings and they're going to go right into Godley. You know, it's. I know you got to let some of these guys pitch, and you got to let see what some of these guys have. But I think any intelligent baseball fan, like this, is a recipe for just absolute disaster. Again, three game series. First three games happened. Let's try to. I'm trying to be 
positive, trying to give the benefit of the doubt, but like it was two straight games and the, the pitching staff sucks. And then, and then the offense, I mean, they didn't look any better. Yeah. And to touch on your, on the pitching, I mean, Ivaldi, so he only had four strikeouts. So like you were saying, Chris, he wasn't as dynamic or as dominant as you'd hope he'd be against the quad a Orioles. But on the bright side, he only issued one walk. So maybe he just wasn't unleashing it as much as he typically will. So, you know, I'm still holding out hope for Yavaldi, right? I, I, I can't give up on him. I would agree to that. And I think that we as Red Sox fans, we need to temper our expectations with Nathan Yavaldi because he's not an ace. The, you know, let's, he is on let's this team right him. now. For, for this current team, the way it's built, but let, let's call it for what it is. He's a number three starter on any really good team. You know, if, if Eovaldi was still in Tampa Bay, if he was in New York, uh, I mean, if he's even on the Dodgers, he's he's a third or fourth starter. You know, so now he has to be the ace here. He has to be something that he's not. What the Red Sox need Eovaldi to be is healthy. Beyond that, they need to be healthy and consistent. Well, he's definitely not, you know, he's not been an ace uh, throughout his career. But I honestly believe this, and I'm going to throw it out there, and if you guys think I'm crazy, let me know. I think Nathan Eovaldi may have been the single greatest benefactor from a 60-game season in the entire league. This guy throws 100. He has a a split finger, a slider, a curveball. This guy has filthy stuff. He's shown that he has cojones, that he can pitch in big moments a la what he did against the Dodgers in the World Series. I mean, that was that took grit. That took a lot. And his biggest problem has been health. And you cut the season down, it basically just you know just over a third. Uh, you cut it down two thirds. I think that this guy may he. It's tough because he didn't strike out ten Orioles. So it's like I'm trying to stay positive and I'm trying to look on the bright side, Leovaldi. But you know his his box score stat line wasn't great, but. I think we should still hold out hope. Now, as far as Martin Perez, we brought him up briefly. Man, I thought this. I thought there was going to be a lot more to this guy. And you know, if again, I'm trying my hardest for you, Red Sox Nation. You know, I'm positive, and I'm Mr. Positivity, so I'm going to try. After the first and second inning, he did settle down, pitched three scoreless after that, but still only finished with two strikeouts. Gave up four runs, four earned runs to the Orioles. Gave up a hit to Pat Velrecka. Or whatever that guy's name is, who batted a buck seventy nine in his stint with the Rockies. Ah man, I was ho- I had a little bit of hope for Martin Perez, and I know some of you fantasy players out there may have had some hope as well. Man, that it, it was it was tough to see how bad he looked coming out of the gates on Saturday. Look, if if you drafted Martin Perez in fantasy, your pitching staff probably sucks worse than the Sox does right now. Like Martin Perez. That's a filler if you're if we're talking fantasy. He's a, he's a dude you're gonna pick up if he gets hot. Right now, I expected more than what we saw on Saturday. You know, I, I you know interact with him a little bit on Twitter and he interacts back and forth with the Red Sox handles. So I don't want to blast the dude. You know, I'll chalk it up as to you first start with the Sox. You had the butterflies and a capacity crowd of nobody and all of us at home. So I'll chalk it up to that. But if this guy goes back out there as next star and he looks like he did Saturday, like that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. And oh, that would be. Oh, go be, ahead, Bill. Go ahead. Let's be fair to him. Anavaldi is they weren't slotted to be in the places where they are right now in the rotation. When Perez was signed, the idea was to make him the number five starter. 
not to have him the number two. And then Sale went down, and then Price was traded, and then Erod went down, and now he's up to number two. Same thing with Evaldi. When he was signed as a free agent after the World Series, he was penciled in as the four starter. Now mm-hmm. he's the ace. So, like you said, you know, this is what Bloom was left with. What he was left with wasn't great, and circumstances beyond that have made it even worse, which is why where we are today. And I think we all saw this coming into the season, and we were like, well, yeah, but they can still hit and blah, blah, blah. But, God, it's just not a good sign so far. I'm, I know you want to be optimistic, Matt, but I have to be a little realistic, too. I thought the bullpen was going to be more of the problem. And uh, actually, they haven't been that bad. No, the bullpens look pretty good. It's the starting pitching that, you know, that just keeps puking on itself. And, you know, but on top of uh, what you guys are saying, the bullpen has looked good against the quad A Orioles. So it's 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 this is why my brain is melting as I speak to you guys now, because I'm trying to be positive. But the good isn't that great because it's the Orioles and the bad is almost double as bad because it's the Orioles. So it's I mean, the bullpen's been pretty like Like you said, they've they've performed pretty well, um, but we'll see how they do these next two games, because I really think that these next two games are going to be a very cold not so comfortable splash of water to the face because two openers back to back, it just doesn't feel like Red Sox baseball, you know, that we're used to. Yeah, and we're recording well, this on Monday night as the Red Sox are about to start a four-game series with the Mets, followed by a three-game weekend series with the Yankees, who hit the crap out of the ball in Washington this to start the season this weekend. And that Garrett Cole looked pretty dang good, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did, and so did Giancarlo Stanton. And I hate to admit that, like, I <laughs> I have Nesson on in the background, and Jerry Remy's got this giant oversized Red Sox hat on. Um, <laughs> no, the Garrett Cole, like, I hate I hate saying this, like, he was sharp. Dude looked really good. And Gene Carl Stanton, like, he, like, I don't even think half those home runs have even come down yet. He was hitting, like, absolute missiles into, into, the, into the seats. Like, they look, that for them, they, you know, Getting a healthy stand, that's huge because Yankee fans really haven't seen a healthy stand yet. And, and it, again, 60 games or not, that dude's healthy and he's hitting like he's hitting right now. That's going to be tough. That, that That's a huge piece for the Yankees. And Alex Rodriguez in the broadcast of the opening night on Thursday made a great point, and it pains me to say Alex Rodriguez made a great point. But he <laughs> thinks that Stanton could actually – he could really benefit from no fans in the stands. Because Yankee fans have been all over him since he was. Oh, they've, they've killed him. They've killed him. I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, there was. Granted, one of the years he was hurt, he had like you know we, you know we hit like what a buck and change. But I mean, you're making the money that you're making. You come into being a New York Yankee with all that fanfare, and you kind of put up, you know, kind of like subpar numbers up to. I think he hit what 59 home runs the year that before the Marlins traded him. You know, and it he's just been, I want to, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to say like the guy's been average. I mean, I think he, I just think that he has not played up to what Yankee fans thought that they were going to get. Well, but yeah, four strikeouts know, in his first game as a Yankee, that leaves a bad first impression. Yeah. So, you know, the Yankees, um, but after Derek Cole, the Yankees pitching really didn't look that, that solid either. You know, James Paxton got waxed pretty good, too. You know, I, the Yankees aren't 
completely in the clear. I just think that they have more resources right now that it, with them and they're going to be in it, that they can make a move 20, 25 games in and find a team who's out of it and pluck somebody and, and potentially right the ship where I don't think the Red Sox can maybe do that. I might be wrong. I'd like to see it, but I don't know if they, if they can do that. Yeah, they're in completely different stages in terms of their franchise and how they want to attack a season. The Yankees are primed to win. They have the Garrett Cole. And even though he was only touching like 94 on uh, over the weekend, they still have James Paxton, and their bullpen is as good as anyone's. So you partner those two things up with, you know, a ridiculously good offense, they are going to be primed to make moves. And I wouldn't, you know, they, they, I wouldn't doubt that they're very aggressive in bringing in talent, especially some starters. Whereas the Red Sox, can they really trade, you know, some young talent for a win now type of mentality? I don't think they can. Uh, the teams, this team's not built like that right now. I, I would, I would. It, no, that's that's the like, point I'm making. They can't make, they can't afford to trade a guy with the with maybe some of the prospect prestige that the Yankees. That's equivalent to a Yankees player for a win now guy. They need to sit pat, even including guys like Tanner Houck and Jay Bloom. Uh, groomed guys that you know they're not that may not make it in terms of being major major contributors they still have to hold on and 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 try to see what they can get in there out of these guys in the future and continue to develop them because they have so many questions this year and you know they're gonna have questions going into next year also so the, the red sox are in no position to be selling future for win now type players and i don't want to pump the you know i don't want to go and pump up the Yankees here, but there was the one guy that I was actually the most impressed with all weekend was Gleyber Torres. Like he had, a, he had a phenomenal weekend and he is, he's, this dude is going to be a superstar. I like, I, I think that he is, you know, this is the guy that got back when they traded Chapman a while back. I'm telling you like this, this kid here, he had a home run. He had go ahead RBIs in the eighth inning. He had like a two hit game. You know, I just, I think Torres, this is the one other player in that entire lineup that I think is going to be rock solid for them this year. Oh, no question. I mean, the kid's, what, 23 years old, and he's batting three in that lineup. I mean, the, the, their expectations for him are, are through the roof. But enough Yankee talk. Yeah, enough Yankee talk. I still don't like the Yankees. I still – and let me ask you guys this question real quick. Does it hurt a little extra – when the Yankees are good and the Red Sox are bad? Because I remember growing up, they were always both good playing against each other. And I feel like over the last span of you know years, one's been bad, one's been good. And this year, with the craziness of everything, I was just hoping that they would just go head-to-head and battle it out. But you know, after three games, it doesn't really look like that's going to be the case. No, I agree with you. And, and I remember you know all ends of the spectrum, Yankees being really good, Red Sox being bad, them being competitive, Red Sox being better than the Yankees. I just didn't have that expectation coming into this year like you did that they were going to be able to compete. Just too much had to go right, and there were too many unknowns. And now with, with everything that's happened with Erod, he's you know that's something else I wanted to talk about with you guys. You know he, he there's a good chance he may not pitch at all this season. So I, mean, I just there's just too much stacked against them this year. Right, and you know I I mean we might as well get to Erod now that we brought him up. If with the shortened season, let's say this stumble out of the gates lasts a week and a half, it's only going to make it that much more likely that the Red Sox brass want to shut him down. You know, he's dealing with the. I'm going to say, I'm going to attempt this word, fellas. Uh, I don't have my PhD 
contrary to what you may believe, uh, I'm going to try it. Myocarditis? Cardiitis? Cardiitis. Myocarditis. Myocarditis? Myocarditis. Myocarditis. But that's what he has. Inflammation around his heart. Which is, right, which, which is, is a side effect or a, uh, an offshoot of having the coronavirus. Exactly. You know, so with all the unknowns that are related to this type of virus, I, I just wonder if they're going to be a little extra cautious. And if you piggyback on an extremely slow start, I think the likelihood uh, that Erod pitches in 2020, you know, diminishes vastly in that span. I mean, you'd have to figure he is at least a couple of weeks out. He couldn't even get through a 20-pitch bullpen without being gassed. So if, if he's at that stage now, and then he's got to recover from that and build himself back up, he's saying he's going to pitch this year, but I, I really can't envision it. Not at least until September. And, and like you said, Matt, if by then it looks like they're out of it, despite the new playoff format, which is adding, uh, what is it, three new teams in each league or four new mm-hmm. teams in each league, um, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to, to risk it, to risk his health to bring him back to pitch it at that point if they're out of it. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I, I, you know, I don't think he should pitch this year. You know, I, there's, there's still a lot that, you know, obviously the medical, you know, professionals don't know about this virus, you know, and clearly, you know, what he's dealing with is an after effect of COVID-19. Why, why risk, why risk it if, and, and get more answers, get more information get healthy it again it's not like this team is going to contend for a world series now who knows they could go and rip off the next 12 and 15 and everybody's gonna be like where's erod and that's a valid you know be a valid point but you know for the longevity of this this guy's career you know there's the red sox are going to continue to go on beyond this year and they and erod you know appears and feels to be a big part of their future let him get healthy figure out how to get him healthy let him get past, you know, this inflammation piece. Let him and and you know begin to focus for 2021. You'll get a uh, you're going to get Chris Sale back healthy. You're going to get uh, you're going to get Erod healthy. It's going to be like almost making like two trades and getting two legitimate starting pitchers back. I just don't see why you would even want to try to get this guy in there. I appreciate him being a competitor and saying like, hey, I want to get in there. I, I do. I appreciate that, but I just I don't think it's smart. I really don't. You know, you bring up a good point. Whether they're in competition or not, is it worth the risk? No, I don't. I think it's it, it, it's get this dude healthy. Yeah, anytime you know? you're dealing with like you know things that are beyond a sports industry industry, uh, industry injury, you always want to make sure that the, the team does right by that player and doesn't push them because you're not just dealing with you know an elbow for a pitcher. You're dealing with a guy's you know light livelihood oh. and his health. Beyond playing baseball, so you know if if you're not if this guy can't throw 20 pitch bullpens without getting winded, why rush him? And you know even just from a baseball point of view, if you can work the, if he works his way up to only being able to throw 50 to 60 pitches, what does that really do for your ball club? And you know you don't like you don't want to push this guy. You don't want him to have long term health problems for a, you know a wacky 2020 season. So you mentioned um, you mentioned that the Yankees can go out and potentially make a trade at the deadline for pitching. And I'm thinking of the Red Sox and what uh, Hein Bloom has done over the last week, really, just picking up guys off the scrap heap and bringing them in. Yep. And I was, you know, I was going to research it and, and 
get all their names. And then I'm thinking, why should I bother? Because they're probably not going to be here that long. So, so Chris, I know you're on top of this stuff. Maybe you know some of the names. You mentioned Godly, who uh, is, is supposed yep. to follow Osich tonight. Um, I, think, yep. I think they call it the, the bulk pitcher or, they, or some term like that, the, the guy that yeah, plays the opener. Yep, he's uh, he is a bulk pitcher. I, I like Godley. I, he's a major league pitcher, which is really nice. You know, with a lot of these guys they picked up, they're 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 the tweener between, you know, being a major league p- uh, pitcher and a and a AAA, you know, reliever or starter. Godley's a major league starter. Now, is he a good major league starter? Now he had a bad year last year. He's had a bad, you know, he he didn't make the Tigers team, and and, and you know we joked about it in our in our text group, and people have mentioned you know, if this dude can't make the Tigers, what are we getting? Well, in fairness, the Tigers have a very young core of starting pitchers that they want to take a look at. And why block one of those guys, again, if you're not in contention when for Zach Godley? Um, yeah, but they Godley brought him in in, in the offseason. It's, they it's did, not like it was, he had been there the year before and he was still on the roster. They no, brought him in. Like, they, and they're starting yeah. Ivan Nova. They have Ivan Nova, so they are trying to have some sort of, you but, know, the difference Competent between Nova, the, the difference between Nova's contract and the difference between Godley's contract is that Nova is signed where it was guaranteed money, where Godley had that opt out, where if he wasn't going to make the major league roster, that he had the ability to opt out. So he had a minor league style contract. So it wasn't like you know they went out, paid this dude five million, and then they let him loose. So <clears throat> you know, again, I'm Detroit, and I got I got young starters. I want to see what I have. So Godley could have been a guy like the Red Sox could have right now where they can move him in a couple of weeks. Who knows? You know, he pitches pretty well, and Bloom gets an offer for a mid-level prospect. Not anything crazy, but somebody that might be able to help them out off the bench or, you know, it's a tradable piece. Um, now, hopefully, hopefully tonight we get to see some consistency out of Godly, because if he doesn't go out and pitch well, it's just going to continue to add fuel to the fire that this team has no pitching whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I mean, the clock is ticking very, very quickly on, you know, fans turning on Bloom's decision to build the staff the way he did. And I know we've talked about it. It wasn't all his fault. But, I mean, he is bringing these guys in and, you know, Godly doesn't do well or these openers completely blow up in their face. It's going to get ugly. You know, really? and now they they've added some other arms too. So like you know they got Dylan Kobe, who used to be you know with the with the White Sox. He was with Tampa Bay. They basically got him for really nothing. He was gonna get he was gonna get waived. So they had the ability to get him before others had an opportunity to claim him. He only made the big league roster because that was part of you know with them claiming him because he had the ability to opt out. Um, so he's down in, in camp, but he's depth. He's depth for the team. Um, and then they went out and they picked up another guy off waivers, which was Steven Gonsalves, who throws hard. I mean, it's the, the one thing I can say about him is, you know, he throws hard. He was with the Twins. Um, he was a top 10 on the for Baseball America's top 10 list in both for prospects in both 2017 and 2018. He's a former fourth round pick. Um, Wins last year, 6.57 ERA, 24 innings. So he wasn't sharp, but there's something there with him. And then lastly, they, they claimed Robert Stock off of waivers. Veteran, again, another guy that throws hard. So the one commonality with some of these guys is they are power arms. 
that you can throw in your pen that has the ability to strike people out. Are they major prospects? No, but if you can get lightning in a bottle out of one of these three guys and, they, and maybe they give you eight to ten games of consistency, I mean, you can't argue with it. It's better than giving up prospects and, and getting a pitcher that you're only going to have for 60 games. And how many times do you see that? that some reliever will just come out of nowhere. You had that with Brazier just a couple of years ago for the Red Sox. Yeah. What, where, where did he and come from, Mexico been. or something like that? You know. Yeah. And, and like you said, caught fire in a bottle or lightning in a bottle. And, and reeled off, you know, half a, a good half a season. So, yeah, if you can get that out of some of these guys, it, it's just the trick is, you know, finding that guy at the right time. You know, Kobe came in in the game against the Orioles. Uh, the Sox had rallied a little bit, made the score 5-2, to two, and then Kobe comes in and gives up a two-run bomb to, uh, you know, some guy I've never heard of, or maybe it was Santander. Um, gives up a two-run homer, and now you're down 7-2. to two, And in effect, the game was over. He gave up whatever little momentum they had. So you you got to get these these guys got to come in and produce right away. You can't just keep going to the next guy and going to the next guy because that's just a recipe for disaster. Chris. Yeah. Give me more of that positivity. I need it, brother. <laughs> Look, there's there. Give it to me. Tell me these guys are gonna help this squad. Tell me. There is so there is three guys that I think that the Red Sox have right now that I am excited about one was one of the guys I thought as a sleeper I thought Colton Brewer is an absolute sleeper for this team this year in that bullpen reading about him and, and reading that he came in with more confidence he looked like a completely different guy the dude has got great stuff if he could put it together he pitched pretty well this weekend mm-hmm. you know I think it was like one and a third of an inning um another guy he's pitching tonight Osage pitched really well in spring mm-hmm. training he's pitched really well in summer camp he pitched well in one inning against the Orioles. You know, if he goes out, gives his team one really good inning. I can't believe I'm saying that. If he can go out and start the game, give him one <laughs> inning. <laughs> like, I'm excited. Be excited about that. And then the last guy is Matt Hall. You know, he pitched really well in spring training. He's pitched really well in summer camp. And, you know, it's, it's a little more than just reading into the hype. You know, these guys have, you know, looks good against their own – their own their own lineup guys like jd martinez and xander bogarts and rafael devers shutting those guys down so i have some optimism around those three i'm not saying they're going to become you know win the cy young but they've looked good again let's see what they can give you i love it chris i love it because i need it man i need some of that positivity all right enough about enough about the pitching you mentioned the red sox hitters maybe we should get into them a little bit more um, mm. One of the biggest takeaways I've seen, I saw this weekend, uh, this week, or coming into the weekend, was uh, the composition of the Red Sox lineup and JD Martinez being slid up to the two spot. Which I know uh, in baseball analytics uh, that now they say that should be your most productive hitter, but it still took me by surprise that uh, he was there, mainly because Devers just excelled there after he was moved into that spot last season. Yeah, like, like you said. In today's game, for whatever reason, they decided to put, or the analytics tell them, that you put your most dynamic hitter in the two-hole. That's why they moved Betts last year from the one to the two-hole, and that's why they moved JD from the three-four hole to the two-hole this year. Personally, I think he looks best in the three-hole or even the four-hole. The guy is just such a monster. He's such a run producer, and he just you get him in the you know you put him in the two-hole. If there's no one on, he hits a double. 
the way some of the guys behind him are hitting, he may just be left there. It cl- you know, on top of having slow speed. So I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it, to be honest. Well, you, you talk about you put you put him in the two hole. He's coming up to hit a lot of times with nobody on. That's because you got Ben Attendee in the leadoff spot now. If you still had Betts leading off, then maybe it's not such a bad move. But with Ben Attendee leading off, he just I don't think he's a leadoff hitter. Small sample size, but he just has not shown me anything to tell me that he's the guy that you want at the top of your lineup. He looks he looks lost. He, he just he looks lost. He looks like he's trying too hard. I mean, he looked good coming into camp. I mean, a lot of positive, you know, uh, reports with him. He just I don't know if it was you got, you know, Benny Biceps is because he was coming in. And he was single. You know, people are saying like he was a whole new, you know, Benintendi. And he looks like the same the same Benintendi. You know, the Sox assigned him. What was it? A two year extension for ten million dollars. You know. I know it's 60 games, but it, could this be like a make or break year? Like if you're a high bloom and Benintendi is really just, he was kind of average last year. What happens if he's average this year? You can get average anywhere. Why not move him? Get pitching back for Benintendi. So we off JD and we're going to jump on Benintendi. We can go wherever no, you want, Matt. Because I got to say, I'm ready to go off on Andrew Benintendi because I'm not going to call him a straight up bust. I'm not. He's only 25. He has time. But when are the Red Sox going to start treating this guy like his stats show? Stop forcing him to bat leadoff when he's shown now for a year plus three games that he is can, he just is not going to do it. And if you look at just what he how he's produced for this team in his career, it doesn't really give you confidence as a leadoff batter. He's never batted 300, and he's stole 20 bags. To, to, he's stolen 20 bags twice, but that was two years ago already. So if he you know if he's not going to steal bags, if he's not going to bat 300. If he's not going to really show you any power, why is this guy batting in the top of the order? Put this guy 7-8 and just take all the pressure off of him. Just let him bat in the ball. And if he starts to develop and can and you know build some momentum and actually starts proving that he was worth that seventh overall pick, then you move him up. But right now, this guy, it's every game is so much more meaningful in this season, and I just feel like experimenting him at the top of the lineup is just. Uh, it's another recipe for disaster. We've used that term now multiple times, and it just seems like get this guy out of the top of the lineup. The way Pilar's hitting, the way even Jackie Bradley's hitting, this guy shouldn't even be in the lineup right now. But nope, here he is again at the top of the lineup. We'll see what he can do. Watch, he's probably going to shove it in my face and hit two home runs. Good. I'd be happy with that. But at the same time, I don't think so. He's probably going to go over three. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the Andrew Benintendi you know, pedestal thinking that this guy was a seventh overall draft pick and he's acting like, cause he's not. And in today's baseball, these guys are coming out of the shoot hot, ready to produce right. Let I me mean, right, right off the bat. You guys go like Acuna, these guys that were, they're not necessarily high draft picks, but they're big international free agent signings. You have other high end draft picks making the name for themselves right off the bat. And this guy now in his fourth, or yeah, going into his fourth season, it's just I feel like they're force feeding him too much. Just put him at the end of the lineup and and and, and let him build up momentum back there. I think you're absolutely right, but the problem is, who do you have lead off? I think he's there by default right now. They don't have Verdugo. a lot of options. I think you could try Verdugo in the in the in the leadoff bat. You could put Jackie Bradley in the leadoff. The guy's getting hits right now. You know Jackie Bradley is going to have one hot streak, and if it's going to be out of the gate. Ride it. Put him in the top of the lineup. Put Pilar at the top of the lineup. Put Peraza, who, who had a four-hit game on Friday. Put him in the top of the lineup. But no, they keep putting Benintendi there. And it's just – the guy just – like you said, Chris, he looks lost. And there's nothing 
I mean, if you've never played baseball, then I guess, you know, for listeners out there who never played the game, they don't ne- necessarily know this, but there's nothing worse than being in a slump in baseball and like weighing the, and lending that weigh on your mind. It's just like, it's, it's burning the candle on both ends. And this guy, it's just, like I said, I'm not gonna call him a bust, but it's time to stop acting like he's, you know, some mega producer and some, you know, top end stud in the, in the game right now. Cause he's not. So put him at the end of the lineup and let him work on things back there. And, you know, sometimes you can be in a slump. You're just not getting hits. You're still hitting the ball well. He's not even doing that right now. He is so off balance and in between. He's looked really, really bad at the plate. I don't I don't recall how many strikeouts he's had, but definitely more than his he, share. He's, he's only had five. Nine. Yeah, with five strikeouts. Two ground outs, uh, two fly outs. He just, he looks lost. He don't, he don't, not good. And you're putting this guy in the leadoff. You're setting the tone. You know, if you the 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 purpose of your leadoff guys is to set the tone to get on base to to make the pitcher throw more than one pitch. It's it's to get the things you know get the ball rolling. And this guy gets up to the plate right now, and he just looks absolutely lost. Makes Alex Cobb look like Max Scherzer, and it sets the tone in the opposite fashion. Not a good way, a bad way. Matt, you don't sound too positive all of a sudden. I mean. I've waited all summer for the Red Sox to come back, and this is what they're going to do to me? Bring on the heroes, baby. And you know what makes it worse? The heroes aren't playing good right now. So I'm waking up in the morning, watching the heroes play that crap. I'm staying up at night watching the Red Sox play that crap. I'm I'm, wait, I'm wasting time watching them over the weekend. They're still playing that crap. Oh, come on. It's like, come on. Can I get some love here? I don't know. Come on, guys. Do it for me. If you can do it for yourselves, do it for me. Do it for the, the syndicate. Do it for us. I'm just kidding. I'm not really crying. <laughs> I'd like to think that that Benintendi's probably got two or three more games left before they're going to uh, really quit. Osich looked really good in the first inning, really good, and they just picked off Jeff McNeil. Um, he didn't give up a run. He only threw ten pitches. Um, Cyrus, give me this pause. Give me this positivity, Chris. I just need you, you know, we're just going to constantly be on a FaceTime, and I just need you to keep giving me these positive Red Sox affirmations so that I can just get back to where I normally am when it comes to this team. I just, I can't think that they're going to let it go much longer. You know, your point, Peraza, like, he had what, four hits? He let off Sunday. Peraza let off Sunday. You know, Peraza looked good. I mean, and and Verdugo, I'm going to tell you what, Verdugo, I, I think... I think people are going to come around on him. He's just a ton. He, like, he's so fun to watch. There's so much passion with that dude out there. And on top of it, he gets base hits. He's getting on base. Ben Intendi is not getting on base right now. You know, Benny Buttcheeks is not looking good whatsoever. And to your point, Matt, yeah, it's time to put him to the bottom of the lineup and let this dude work out of where he's at, and then find the right spot in the lineup between five through nine where he rightfully belongs because he's not a leadoff hitter. He proved it over the last couple of years whenever they had him in the leadoff spot. It was kind of like, remember when the Sox used to like force Dustin Pedroia to be the leadoff hitter for a little while? Like He's not a leadoff hitter for the Red Sox. See what Peraza can give you. See what Verdugo can give you. And then after that, if neither one of those guys are doing it, then you're going to have to try a a Jackie Bradley Jr., Dude's off to a seven. He's seven for eleven right now, and I, I'm no Jackie Bradley Jr. fan. But if the, if he's hitting the ball all over the park and he's hitting the cover off of it, then you need to go where the production's at. Throw him at the top of the lineup. If he's getting on base, he should be leading off. Like I don't. Ron Rennick, he's been in baseball for thirty plus years. I watch it with my eyeballs. 
from the bar or from from home, and I see that Benintendi, who is now 0 for 10, is leading off. But you got a guy like Verdugo, who, by the way, versus the Mets, is 7 for 20 in his career with three doubles, three RBI. He's hitting seven. Well, where are we going? I agree. Analytics. We're, we want to talk analytics. We're not even following the analytics. I am a Jackie Bradley fan, mainly for his defense, but I leave him at the bottom of the order. As soon as you move him up to the top, he'll get cold. It's happened every time. Well, that's how Farrell ended his, like, what was it, 20-something game history? Over 30, I think. 30, well, but, yeah, 30 game history. It wasn't 30, it was high 20s. And yeah, he moved him into the leadoff spot and psh, 0 for 5. <laughs> 0 for 5 that night. But, but you know, I got a, a few things I want to say about Verdugo, but all this positivity coming up right now it's 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 making me feel a little bit a little bit better so i just want to talk about something positive and that is jackie bradley junior like you mentioned chris 7 for 11 he's in one of his crazy hot streaks it's just coming you know right out of the gate but on top of that his defense is just so awesome to watch two times over the weekend he makes insane diving catches it's like this guy is incredible to watch in the outfield and uh, you know i hope that uh, you know since the game is going into the home run derby all or nothing mode. I hope fans still appreciate, you know, a dynamic outfielder that, that can make plays. Get on first. How do you get on? Hit by pitch. He bunted. Whatever, whatever hey. you got to do to get out of a slump. Sometimes <laughs> they say a little bunt will bring a little sunshine, you know. So, hey, and I'm I, okay and, with that. And whatever. Walk it, and walk it through the ball away. <laughs> oh, so it's an error. Oh. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It was a tough play. Benny though is on base. Hey, he must he must have his earpiece in right now. I'm actually gonna go ahead and look at the official score from the score, and then actually nope, it's not on the on the books yet. Oh no, it's a hit! It's a hit. Yeah, he got I, a hit. Yeah, I, he he beat out the he. Well, yeah, no, I'd be walking through that that away too. But hey, Benintendi's on. Matt, go ahead. All is right on. with the world. There's your positivity, All right. Matt. All right. We're back. All right, so the Red Sox back on. They're going to win the World Series. The Yankees, they stink. They they can't do anything. They don't have two hitters that are, you know, both eight feet, 300 pounds of solid, you know, bodybuilding muscle that can hit the ball 50 miles, you know, in a given at-bat. So everything is right in the world. So you mentioned Verdugo. I wanted to talk about him a little bit. You said uh, you think he's going to be fun to watch. Um, I, the dude definitely plays with some attitude. i got to say that. In his first game with the Red Sox, he had three hits and nearly got tossed out of the game for arguing with the umpire. And I don't know if you saw, if either one of you saw the details on that, but he was at second base when there was a pitching change made, and he just strolled over to the third base coach to talk to him and decided he'd stay at third base once play resumed. And when the umpire told him to get back to second base, he kind of mouthed off at the umpire and then had went back and forth with him in between innings. So he definitely plays with some attitude. Also saw him take a huge chance trying to go from first to third on a ball hit to left field. And yep. a decent throw, e- even a halfway decent throw, would have had him dead. But he ended up oh, he ended yeah. up getting in That's... there. So, yeah, when plays go right for you, that can be fun to watch when you're aggressive. But you've, you've got to pick your spots. You can't just be aggressive for the sake of being aggressive. So I think he's got to temper that a little bit if he's going to get, you know, if he's going to get the hearts of Red Sox fans. He's got to pump the brakes a little bit and play in control and play like a pro. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that, you know, that aggressive base running because that is something on Saturday that pointed, you know, that really stuck out to me. And um, hopefully it was just he didn't – he's not too familiar with Fenway and how insanely close left field is. 
uh, in that ballpark. So I'm hoping it wasn't just reckless abandon. It was just maybe a little ignorance to the ballpark. But yeah, those are the type of things that, you know, Sox fans are going to harp all over if he starts running into outs. I mean, the, the last year that far, uh, Fairley was the, Am I saying that? John Farrell. John Farrell was the manager. They harped, you know, Red Sox Nation couldn't stop talking about the the base running blunders. So those types of mistakes uh, will keep him, uh, you know, from being a fan favorite. But one thing I did like that his attitude shined in, in a positive light, in my opinion, was did you hear what he told Renicky after Friday night? When he didn't start? When he didn't start? No, I didn't. He reassured Renicky that he can hit lefties. Yeah, and he came, so out, that just, came out and got three hits the next day against the lefty. Exactly. And it just, I just, I like that in him. I think uh, a, a huge factor in succeeding in Boston sports is embracing, uh, you know, the, 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 the passion and playing with that passion and showing that you cared. You know, I'm not comparing the two, obviously, because one's an all time great and one just got here. But that's what made KG so great here was his, his intensity and his passion. Just, you know, everyone could tell that it was, you know, at, at absolute max at all times. And that's just how. You know, I believe that Boston fans are towards their sports teams, and he's got that. So, you know, if he can keep kind of the bonehead mistakes on the field to a minimum, but continues to play hard, and, you know, even in his presser after the argument with the umpire, he, he made a smart, you know, kind of a smart Alec remark, like, oh, if I wanted third, I'd just go steal it. And, you know, that's kind of cocky, but at the same time, like, in a weird season where some of the players may not look like they're all into it, it's it's great to see one of their guys just – you know, playing with the same intensity and love that, you know, Little League play with and just that, you know, that is a breath of fresh air in today's sports for sure. Yeah, the guy came here with a little bit of a reputation, and, and I can see why. And I can maybe see why the Dodgers decided they could give him up after only one year. But we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, the guy does have some talent, and hopefully as he matures, he can rein some of that in and be a, a really productive player and a fan favorite. I certainly hope that happens. I, lo- I just like his energy. You know, he, he seems like he's got a ton of energy. He feels like it's like high motor. He feel, I feel like, he, you know, I feel like he's going out there. He's competing. You know what I mean? Like you got guys that get treated here, you know, and, you know, it's some guys it takes a little while for them to kind of be embraced by like this fan base. And I think it's going to be harder for Verdugo just in general, because he was traded for Mookie Betts. So you're, you know, you're already behind the eight ball, knowing that you were the key piece in that Mookie Betts deal. And, I, and I'm not, saying that he's going to be Mookie Betts, but I just like the fact that he's come here to Fenway. He's come here to Boston and he's, he's been, he's been outgoing with, with the media. He's trying to say and do the right things, you know, just the excitement when he met Ortiz for the first time. And, you know, and then to what you guys just brought up gets benched the first game, then goes and tells the manager, I can hit lefties, follows it up with a three hit game, follows that up with, a little bit of fire in the field with the umpire with that whole charade. I, I just, I like the fact he's trying to put himself out there in, in a way that it's going to make Red Sox fans think twice to be like, Hey, you know what? I think this, we might have, this dude might be got a, you know, a few screws loose, but he's going to fit right in. He's going to be that dirt dog style Red Sox player that we love here in Boston. And another guy who benefited from the shortened season, number one, it gave him a chance to get healthy which he wouldn't have been had the season started on time when it was supposed to. And with no fans in the stands to boom, if he does have a bad game, that kind of takes that monkey off his back too. Being, I being agree. a player I, who was seen I, as replacing Mookie. That's huge because, you know, I said it a couple of podcasts ago, you know, 
imagine would have been like if that place was filled with 34,000 fans and his first at bat, he whiffs. You know, he K's, goes down looking or strikes out or pops out with like the bases loaded. Red Sox fans there would have killed him. He would have had he would have had a tough weekend. I bet you the results that we see from him this weekend would have been on the absolute other end of the spectrum. He would have impressed it all weekend. He wouldn't be the player that he is right now. It just looks like he's loose. He's having fun. And let's hopefully this continues with it. And, you know, and, and we can get to really kind of see exactly what this kid's going to be like. Yeah, he definitely he comes across as a gamer. He, if you remember when he when he first came to Boston, he was going to take 12. And I know no reports came out or there was really no speculation about it. But I think taking number 12 in Boston is a ballsy move. And then he ended up switching to 99, which, again, is another statement. That's what Manny wore when he went to L.A. So I think this kid, you know, he, he he's embracing the, you know, the hole he's trying to fill in the Mookie bets. And I, I love it. And. When you saw how excited he was to get that ball back after his first Red Sox hit, I it, I love that the guy cares. And on a team where, you know, they don't play with that much passion, even when they were winning. You know, JD and 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 Mookie, he's not here, but when they were winning, he was. And and Benatendi and 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 Bogarts, they don't necessarily wear that passion on their sleeve. So it is cool to see a guy come in and do that. So I want to talk about one more player before we move on to another topic, and that's Rafael Devers, another guy who struggled over the weekend, got his uh, finally got a hit in his last at-bat Sunday, but before that was on a pretty good over streak. Uh, when this guy reported to summer camp, there were some rumors that maybe he was a little bit out of shape, and uh, he was sent down to uh, work out with the, I guess you'd call him the B squad down at Boston College, Um the Red Sox covered that up, saying, well, he may have been exposed to the virus and we had to get his test back. But do you think there was more there to that story? Do you think it was just his ex- possible exposure to the virus? Or were they trying to send him a little bit of a message? No, I think you sent him a message. I mean, it's it's clear. Again, I don't have any information on this, but like, didn't it kind of feel like he was off for three months and he just kind of stopped working out? Because that's what it kind of looked, kind of looked like. I mean – we saw the picture of him with no shirt on and Nesson. Like, he don't look like a big league ball player. Well, that was him. I thought it was Pablo and, Sandoval. You yeah. know, like, and, and Pablo got killed for for looking out of shape and, and just the opposite of a major league ball player. And nobody's saying anything about Devers because Devers has been hitting the cover off the ball and, you know, he, people like him here. But I think if we've got to call it what it is, Devers is not in shape. He's not in shape. And Renicky. I like the fact that he said, okay, you know what? You came to camp not in shape, whether it's because of COVID or exposure to COVID or, you know, you had, you know, one too many runs to the Taco Bell, you know, drive through. I think he went and said, look, man, like you're a big league ball player. Let's get in shape. You know what I mean? Like we're counting on you to hit third. You hit 30 plus bombs last year. We need you in the middle of the lineup and we need you to be there consistently. And honestly, if Devers comes into camp next year, same way i think we got to start looking at like you know is he taking it seriously you know because sometimes you can't just go and rest on the fact that you know, you're god-given talent that you can just hit the ball you know he's in what off of david ortiz's number that's on you know at the right field you know near the you know the budweiser stand like you can't always rely on that no you mentioned it 
Bill, if if they sent him down to to send him a message, and I think I definitely think that's part, you know, a part, you know, part of it. But I also think they use COVID as an excuse to send him down to not really do much batting practice, but to run a lot of polls. And uh, if you play baseball in high school, you know how much running polls suck. And I think that's all he did because I I'm not gonna say that I'm worried about him long term, but I will say that this is not a good sign for his long term success in this league. And part of that, I do think, and I want to post this to you guys, see what you think, is the loss of Alex Cora that much bigger? Because maybe that that was the guy Devers, you know, kind of looked at, you know, as a role model because he went down and, and worked out with him and seemed to keep him, you know, on his P's and Q's. He, it's, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but Alex Cora's not around. All of a sudden, the guy goes off and doesn't miss, uh, you know, an old country buffet from here to Maine. Uh, I, I, I don't think Cora, let me, let me recompose and, and try to get a coherent sentence out. <laughs> I think Cora does factor into it a little bit. I think Cora's, I think you could attribute Cora as contributing to Erod's success more than Devers last year. Devers, I thought was, uh, Bogarts had more to do with that than Cora did. And, and I would expect that Bo, while Bogarts is still with the team, that maybe he pulled Devers aside and say, "Look, dude, you got to get yourself in shape. You got to come ready to play." Right, and, and and you would hope that Bogarts, since he's still around, is that team leader and that vocal leader. But what I, you know, what I find concerning about San, uh, I was Freudian slip right there. I said Sandoval. Jeez, that's not good, Devers. Um, was the fact that he, when he showed up to camp, they said that he was a little overweight, but it didn't really look you know, as noticeable. But then when the shutdown happened, he, you know, he took off and went their separate ways. And when he came back from that, it was very noticeable. So this guy, you know, went home and just had zero discipline and from the looks didn't work out at all. Yeah. You know, yeah as someone who not, else is a little, you know, plump, I'll say <laughs> a little fluffy. I know how little I work out. So if you're going to look like me, I know how little you work out. He hasn't looked good in the field. I mean, even tonight, he has an error tonight, and we're in the second so inning. So that makes three, uh, three in just a little over three games. Yep. You know, he was 0 for 5 on Saturday. He struck out four times Saturday. You know, it's. I'm not saying that that is because he's out of shape. I just, you know, I Devers needs to, needs to understand, like, I'm down a little bit, you know, but at the end of the day, again – Dude's got to – he needs to have a little bit of self-discipline, like you said, and understand, like, it's 60 games. Did, are you, did you take it seriously coming back? You know, the team needs you because your pitching sucks, so they need you to hit. And, again, small sample size. It's a couple of games, but you can't live with your number three hitter, you know, just not producing. But if you remember last no, and- year, he didn't really start hitting until early May. He had, what was it, no home runs and only – less than 10 RBIs in the first month of last season. If he does that this year, that's half the season. They're screwed. It's September. Yeah, they're screwed. Yeah. Right, but even a slow – I mean, he didn't come in. It's one thing to have a slow start. It's another thing to have a slow start and have such a noticeable difference in your waistline because then it just shows, you know, like I said, the lack of dedication, the lack of – getting after it. And I don't mean to pick on the guy because I don't know him. And I, maybe he was working out, but he was just eating twice as much uh, as normal. But 
he's looked overpowered at the plate. He ha- It doesn't look like he just has bad timing or he's just off. He's not hitting line drives right at the you know right at the position players. He looks like someone who's two steps behind the rest of the competition. And you know, considering how important his bat is in this lineup, it's just it it all compiles into this big thing that it's it's starting to concern me a little bit because if you look across you know Major League Baseball, gaining weight and having that as an issue has been a pretty big recipe for disaster there we go using it again but there it, it's true well we've got our episode title if nothing else you know one thing we do if if even if you don't like our content which you should because we're good we do come up with good titles naturally in the podcast almost every time they happen by themselves it's like when you're hearing a song or you're watching a TV show or a movie and they say the title and you're like, oh. <laughs> I did say before I, I had one more thing to talk about, but I actually have two. Um, Do it. Saturday, game number two, day game after a night game. Renicky sits Bogarts mm-hmm. and Vasquez. Huh? Second game of the season, yeah. you're only playing 60 games and you're sitting your shortstop, one of your best players giving him a day off the second game of the season when you had the, the day before that off. What is up with that? Yes. three months off, you know, like you, again, 60 game season. You're going to tell me that, that Xander couldn't have gone out there and went six innings. He's 27 years old. And you know, Renicky was, ah, oh, Jesus. I know. I just saw it too. Two run home run. All right. Um, Yeah, basically, you know, this was a built-in day off. It's the the second game of the season. Like these these guys need to be out there now. I could get maybe Vasquez, your catcher. Yeah, day game after night game. Okay, I'll give you that one. I can. Mm -hmm. You got you got three catchers on the on the. All right, fine. But the, the your short your starting shortstop is already getting the second game of the season. Like. Xander should be playing 60 games this season. Well, I'm going to take that back. Sorry, I got ahead of myself there. They're playing 60 and 66 games. So maybe maybe he plays 58. You're not sitting on the second game of the season. Like, come on. You know what I think? I, I think after such an explosive and, you know, seemingly impressive win Friday, I think that they kind of were a little fat and happy and they wanted to go ahead and, you know, rest guys to – you know, further whatever plan they had. And I do have a couple quotes from Renicky on as, you know, what his thoughts were. Uh, he said, we have plans in place because of the day game after the night game. Even though we know how important it is to get off to a good start and want to put our guys out there, our starters, as much as we can, we realize that if we don't do this right away, we have a chance to get someone fatigued or possibly hurt. So, I think after, you know, such an impressive win, it seemed like they were going to have no issues with the Orioles. They decided, you know what, this is the time to rest, guys. Let's go ahead and do that. And, boy, did it, you know, bite them in the behind. I'm not buying that in the second game. I'm sorry. No, I, I completely agree. I, 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 But that's just, you know, I don't know. I can't. I, if, you, if they lost that game, I can't imagine they sent both those guys. All right. Enough. Oh, go ahead. You got one more thought, Chris? Like I don't like I don't buy that from Renicky. Like it's the second game of the year. You're gonna tell me that the second game of the year is going to keep him fresh for the next fifty eight? 
I, I, I just think that's a I think it's a crock of crap. It is to you and it is to me and it probably is to Bill too. But Renicky is showing that he is just a mouthpiece for the analytics. He's just doing what the computer says. And if the computer says that sitting Xander Bogarts in game two will preserve his RBI chance in game 57, he's going to do it. I don't agree with it. And I got to say, on a side note, fellas, I have become so soured towards analytics. I used to love analytics. You know, I was a huge fantasy baseball player, and I was such a, you know, I love analytics. Yeah, yeah, Moneyball, blah, blah, blah. And now I think it's gone way too far, and I think it's just – it, it, I have, a, you know, I could go on a 10 minute, 20 minute, maybe a half hour rant about how I've soured on analytics. But I just think that's what Renicky's getting. He's getting a piece of, he's getting a Scantron from, uh, what was it, Carmine? And he's just doing, doing as the Scantron says. I could see if you had a situation like you have in the outfield where you have four quality players for five position, uh, for three positions. But Zue Lin started at shortstop in game two of the season. It's exactly. The, he's, but he's, he's versatile, though. You know, he's versatile. Play all, he can play all over the place. And that was one of the other big reasons. Like, Well, you I, also I just, know how – Yeah, he can play all I over thought, because he's not that good at any one of them. You know, he, he, he's I meant just, to be I a sub player. I players playing. Exactly. And, and you know what, too? You know what? I, I, I think you guys are maybe on to something big here uh, – very, very big here because not only is it maybe kind of a, a mouthpiece answer from Renicky, kind of like cookie cutter, blah, blah, blah. Did you guys happen to see Steve, what Steve Lyons said about it on Nesson? No. He said, uh, I'm not quoting him because I don't have it in front of me, but I'm paraphrasing. He basically said that going to Suwe Lin against the Orioles is not that big a drop off from Xander Bogarts. So if you have your, you know, your the anchor on your sports network going to bat for your decisions, it just reeks of... of Homerism? Yeah, whatever you want to call it. That's what it reeks of. Well, the, the, awaken, little... the Awaken 180 is, is going a little after is the, the brain cells and his waistline because that's just idiotic. I, I, it's just idiotic. It, it, like, again, 60-game season. Xander Bogarts is, besides J.D. Martinez, your most important player on that team, he needs to be playing. He needs to be playing. I, I just, I don't buy it. I, I, I just don't buy it. I'm not saying like either two, like he's the full reason why they lost this weekend. But I think you look a little bit better when your best, one of your best hitters is in the lineup. You know what I mean? You're sitting on the second game because you, you're worried about games 40 through 60. Let's get through the first five. Do you think uh, anything? Uh, any, sitting him had anything to do with that hamstring soreness that he was dealing with in the summer training or spring training 2.0? Then if that's the case, say that. Say, right. you know what? His hamstring's a little beat up. We're going to sit him today. And but he also what? pinched hit in that game. So, no one, it, you know, it, not saying it and also using him goes to the fact that he's healthy, not that he's hurt. So maybe they, I don't know. Yeah, it's, well, it's just one of those things that it, you can't do that. Looking back on it, you know, it's the if we if the Sox play him and I don't know if this would have directly changed anything, but let's say they win because Xander Bogarts has a great game and they're two and one, we're not feeling any bit of this, you know, down that that I'm that you know most Red Sox fans are feeling. So it is a big deal. There's only sixty of these games. A lot of a, a lot of people are feeling a certain way because this pitching staff is just. 
I guess it's like confirming our fears. You know what I mean? Like we watched this weekend and, you know, and we watched this pitching staff just look absolutely atrocious. And I think for a lot of people, you know, including myself, we were trying to be optimistic. We were trying to, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? Try to be optimistic for this team when I think really we kind of knew like, all right, you know what? They're not that great, but, you know, but I, and I didn't want to be the one to continue to push the narrative of what every single Red Sox fan for the most part is saying, you know, to your point, Matt, they go two and one this weekend. The The main conversation we're going to be having is, is not really so much about the offense anymore. It would probably be more directed to, you know, Martin Perez individually or Ryan Weber individually. You know, I just, I don't want to see this team start to press four or five games into it. You know, and I just I feel like that's kind of what this lineup's doing. Yeah, and I don't want you to think that I'm questioning why Bogarts got the day off after they lost, or I'm saying that's the reason they lost. Because I questioned that no, as soon I, as I saw the lineup come out before the, they the gave me the second I saw like, the lineup. What yep. are we doing here? I saw I saw when the Sox posted it, and then when when James posted the lineups on the main account, you know, because I was looking at it like, all right, weird. And we're just thinking then, James you know, screws James, up. Yeah. You know. <laughs> oh, James. James the Contrarian. Also, James, let me tell you something. If you agree that with the with the title of the Contrarian, you're not the Contrarian. <laughs> Excellent point. Excellent point. After he listens to this podcast and it comes out, he will rename himself. It'll be it'll be different by like Wednesday. Ah, uh, we love you, James. We're just kidding. All right. The very last <laughs> thing I wanted to talk about was. Here we are, three games into the Major League season, and we've already had two games canceled today because of the coronavirus. Had an outbreak yeah. on the Marlins. I think it was eight players. I don't. I haven't seen any names attached to it, so I don't know if it was superstar players or guys on the general 60-man roster. But it was a lot of their starters. Was it? They they put uh, their starting catcher, their starting infi- uh, outfielder, first baseman, uh, their uh, one of their starting pitchers over the weekend. Uh, one of the starting out, another starting outfielder, all in the IL for you know for the COVID. So they they had three players test positive after Saturday's game, and they still played Sunday. They played and Sunday. And then they had more you know, players t- and staff test positive. So now as a result of that, their home opener Monday night was canceled, and also the and, Yankees and, yeah tomorrow Phillies game because the the Marlins had played in Philadelphia over the weekend. And the Yankees went there to open up a series starting Monday night. That game had to be canceled because the Yankees were in the same clubhouse that the Marlins were in. So we're three mm-hmm. games in, and already we've got games being canceled because of coronavirus. I can't say I'm surprised watching over the weekend different games. I wasn't seeing a lot of social distancing. Player, you know, Players not wearing masks in the dugout, standing near each other. They were still high-fiving and fist-bumping, which was you know, was supposed to be banned. So I can't say I'm surprised this happened. I just hope this is an eye-opener for the rest of the teams. And I know the Red Sox already had a meeting on it today to, dis- to reinforce the protocols that are in place. But I just hope that they can squash this fast so we don't lose the season. You know, something else that I read, too, was after the three positive tests came up, the, the team held a players-only meeting with the coaches to see 
if they wanted to play on Sunday. So once testing, once some tests, you know, were positive, they got into closer quarters with one another to have a meeting. In and which they decided that's not smart. Right, and that's not smart. I mean, I work at a company that only has 60 employees, and we still host meetings on Zoom. You know, people are being ultra careful. And it's insane to me that a professional team was so, you know, opposite of cautious, so reckless. And no surprise it's a Florida team because look what's happening in Florida right now. You know what's funny about that, too? It's It would have almost been better if they came directly from Florida to uh, Pennsylvania, but they didn't. So it's not just like, oh, you know, Florida. They can't blame Florida. They were in Georgia. Then they came up to New York, played New York, and then they went to Philadelphia. So they were out of the state of Florida for the last couple of weeks. And so that makes it even worse that they, they can't just blame it on the crazy state of Florida. Yeah, you it's think about their it. their personal decisions. And you know what? I, I have to say this, too. The MLB or any of these professional sports and any of these organizations can only do so much to protect the players. The players have to have a little bit of, you know, responsibility in this and stay in the constructed bubble that the league puts in front of them. They can't go out. I understand how much that stinks when you're 23 years old and in the big leagues to not go out, but you can't because that's how contagious this thing is. And you want to talk to somebody that may have long-term effects. Well, just talk to Erod. They, the, if Major League Baseball was smart, they had this little owners meeting. They should have guys like Eduardo Rodriguez and Freddie Freeman have these, you know, public Zoom meetings with the rest of the players, being like, "Guys, this is no joke. I have a condition now. With my heart, it was inflamed. Like I was winded after 20 pitches because of this virus. They have to, you know, do something to 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 just make everyone realize how ser- severe this is and how serious this needs to be taken." They're doing these things in South Korea, and I'm I'm going back to South Korea. Sue me, you know I'm a KBO guy. What can I say? But they're they, you know they're taking it upon themselves. The big leaguers are to be safe outside of the the white lines, so that they can play baseball safely. And they still high five and they'll do these things. And the teams can do that as long as they're not bringing in outside factors. And it just I don't know. The, the season is it, – it's tilting now. Who knows what happens? No, you're right. And I went off on a rant on the flagship podcast last week uh, about the whole subject, that it's really not that difficult. Yeah, you have to have some restraint and some personal responsibility, but it's really not that difficult to do what you have to do. And we're all doing it in our regular he, lives. Ex- that's What a good point, Bill. I mean, we're not getting paid millions of dollars to play baseball, and we're still doing it – for our fellow, you know, our our fellow employees and our friends and our family and the people that we interact with, we're doing it. They can do it too. And I like like I said, I can only imagine how awesome it must feel to be a starting big leaguer at 23 years old. I wish I was that cool when I was that age. I wasn't. I am now that I'm on probably the best baseball podcast all in all the land. But I'm I, you know I'm married now. It's a separate subject. Blah, starting blah, blah, blah. podcaster but at I, 23. That's nothing to be ashamed of, Matt. Yeah, I'm 32, oh, so I'm the opposite. Happy birthday. The pa- is that a palindrome? What's that? The, whatever it's called. The flip-flop. It doesn't matter. Like I said, I'm not I'm not a doctor. I'm not that smart. But these players, they can do it. I understand it. But they just have to do it because they're getting paid to to do something. And like you said, Bill, we're doing it. They can do it too. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm a little – I look at it like this, right? And you, 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 you both touched upon it. You need to have some personal responsibility – you're a big league ball player. 
you are getting the opportunity to still play baseball in the middle of a global pandemic of this virus. We hear different things about it every single day. And now, by the way, we're hearing more about this virus and more about players who have had it. And now there, there's some underlining issues, you know, there was the reports where, and you talked about it. So Miami was down in Miami, which is a hotbed. They were in Atlanta, which is a hotbed. Then they were in New York. These guys are flying all over the place. First off, Major League Baseball, you talked about a bubble a little while ago. They're not in a bubble. They're letting these dudes, they're flying all around the country. They're here, there. You know, granted, they're trying to keep it as contained as they can. But you had time to make something work where the NBA and the NHL and, by the way, the MLS all have their groups in confined areas the major league baseball could have done the same exact thing see i i don't i don't agree there because i just think that what the other leagues are dealing with is it's just the scale of baseball is just so much bigger you're dealing with a full league that the nhl and the nba are not dealing with not to mention both organized like both leagues have fewer uh players that need to be uh, uh, accounted for coaches that sort of thing so personnel is way lower and it a, a human factor that i think is a big difference maker in this whole thing in terms of you know the personal responsibility of players and, and so on the nba guy the guys in the nba bubble the guys in the nhl bubbles are playing for a championship the baseball guys are most of the teams are still not going to make the playoffs so you're asking these guys to sacrifice what they feel is their right. I'm not agreeing with that, but that's what they feel is their right to go about their lives and frolic about the, you know, and whatever, for for maybe nothing, maybe a crappy season. So it's like you're not only did it was baseball up against it in terms of the the numbers of people that they would have had to have bubbled, but in terms of the players' mindsets themselves, it's also way more difficult for the MLB to deal. So I don't really agree that it's apples to apples, but I will say this also. All you football fans out there, and I'm one of them, if you think the NFL is taking notes on how to prevent stuff like this, you're wrong. They're not. They are They are just going to dive into this head first and hope it works out, and it won't because they're dealing with even more numbers than baseball. You talk about 53-man rosters. Well, I don't even know how many coaches, 10 coaches per team. They're not going to be able to bubble. It, it, they've already said that they have no plans for a bubble. It's not because they don't want to. It's because logistically that is a big task to, to take. And baseball was the same way. If you're going to have full rosters, expanded rosters uh, at that, you know, all the coaches, yeah, creating bubbles was just not realistic. Doing it, you know, they're going to have to travel like they're doing. It's, it's, it's the player's responsibility now that when you're traveling to not – go out and about to stay on the bus because the bus, I guarantee you, is sterilized. I guarantee you the hotel is sterilized. I guarantee you the batting cages are sterilized. I guarantee you everything that has to do with the MLB is ready to go for these players' safety. It's up to them to not go out to eat, to not go out for drinks, to not go out to meet girls. That's where, where I feel like the onus falls on the players. But, you know, I don't think it's apples to apples when it comes to MLB and the other leagues. But, oh, maybe you are right, Chris. Like, like, it was maybe something something was was there to be done. I don't know. It's just then then this is where as a commissioner of baseball and Rob Manford, who right now number one he has one of his major league teams that has the virus running through an entire organization. 
doesn't where, has he come out yet? Has he come out and even done a five minute conversation with somebody from the MLB Network or ESPN? Has he had any sort of dialogue with anybody to come out and try to get ahead of this? That's a great he point, has. Chris. Actually, he has. Great point. I see an alert that said something to the effect was he's saying this isn't even close to the nightmare scenario. He kind of downplayed it. Which is all well so, and good, but he's got to come out and say it. To your point, Chris, the PGA, when they started, you know, obviously, logistically, that is a way simpler thing to handle in terms of the personnel. But they also had their 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 share of, of rises in cases on the tour. And that day, the commissioner came out and made a statement that they were going to, you know, I think we mentioned it even on this very podcast after he did, that they were going to plow through and this was part of the plan and they're going to stick to their protocols. Where's Manfred? That's a great point, Chris. Where is he? He's supposed to be the leader in all this. He's nowhere to be found. They put out a press release that, like, no one probably saw. Yeah, and it's just par for the course. It, it, that's exactly what he's done the entire time. Get out ahead of it. Talk to the people. You know, be a commissioner that's going to say, you know what, look, guys, you're not in a bubble, but you're going to practice responsibility and if not, then there this is going to this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do to you as a player. This is what I'm going to do to your organization. Hey, Astros Red Sox fans, if you thought that the punishment for what I did to your teams for cheating was was something, well this is what I'm going to do to the organizations if your players are not going back to the hotel but instead running around New York City playing grab ass and, and grabbing a cocktail when they can do all of that at the hotel. It's three months of your life right now that you have to act a tad bit differently. And guess what? We all had to act differently in the three months that we were out of work. We're still home. And for some cases, you guys are still, still are. home, yeah. working from home. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a commissioner right now, go out there and make the statement and say, look, if you, these players are not going to adhere to the rules that we've set into play and these protocols, you need to come down. I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm an owner and there's a threat that I could lose a first-round pick next year and some cash because I have some knucklehead who's playing left field that wants to go ahead and have a good time with a prostitute or something like that while he's on the road, guess what's going to happen? That dude's going to sit. I'm not losing a number one pick because some guy wants to go and play grab ass. At some point, at some point, this commissioner needs to act like a commissioner or it is time that we have all this anger and hostility. It's time to take it and put it in that direction. The guy should go because he's, he's clearly inept at running this 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 entire organization of Major League Baseball. Be yeah, a commissioner not, and punish your teams. I'm not disagreeing with you at all, Chris. I completely agree. But even on top of all that, how old's Don Mattingly? He's got to be close to his 60s, right? Yeah, he's got to be. Yeah. So these players have no concern for their own skipper? Right, he's still the manager of the Marlins. Yeah. Yes, he is. Well, so I, mean, I mean, you could still this. I mean, Matt, there, there's people that you, Bill was just talking about. We got these guys that they're not even wearing masks in the field. No, I'm not completely. saying that they have to wear. Not masks, wearing them but, in the dugout. You know I can mean, see like, in the field. You're you're far apart from people. You know, maybe the first baseman should wear it, but in the field, that's one thing. In the dugout, put the thing on when you get in the dugout and you're you're around other people. You know, and I'm not going to advocate and be the mask police. Be, you know what I mean? I, I'm not even the mask police at work. You know what I mean? Because I am I'm, I'm not not enforcing that because people who come in, I can't. And I, all I'm going to do is ensure that I have my mask on, my team has their mask on, and we give the opportunity for someone to wear a mask. If they don't want to, then that's fine. Do you. But we will go ahead and then in turn practice what we have been told from the CDC. And no one with where I work has gotten sick because we're following these measures. You know, I understand it's a sport and it's hard to try to 
you know, with guys spitting and chewing and all this, all this stuff. I know it's hard, but you're a professional major league ball player, not even going to talk about the amount of money that you make, but you have a responsibility as, as someone who right now, somebody, how many eyes could be watching this Red Sox ball game right now? You know what I mean? You have a responsibility to the people that are watching kids that are watching to, to set the, to help set a standard and, 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 and be something that people can, these kids can look up to. Hey, you know what? Bogarts wears a mask when he's in the dugout. Oh, maybe I should do too. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not going to get on the whole rampage of, about the mask piece because, you know, different feelings on that. But, you know, clearly it's working for the places that are taking it seriously wearing their masks. And no, Florida, Georgia, right. Tennessee, all these southern states, they, they scoffed at it. And now, and unfortunately now, they have to deal with that. They deal with the consequences. One more point I do want to make just in terms of the, you know, the bigger picture, the big MLB, if, are they going to cancel their season, blah, blah, blah. I think where where I'm waiting, you know, I'm holding my breath, are the Philadelphia Phillies results. I think that if the Phillies show us an uptick in in cases, I think that you can kiss the season goodbye because I think once it's it's learned that it's easily transmittable from team to team in the competition of baseball, I think that's where there's going to be a a, a, a real problem with them continuing you know if it's one clubhouse and they're so close quarters like you said bill they're not even socially distancing they're high-fiving they're hugging they're not wearing masks while doing so and uh side note mob said that one of the protocols they're going to tighten is a mandatory a mandatory mask wearing in the clubhouse rule so that means they're not even making players wear masks in the clubhouse which aren't that big they're you know they're pretty big but they're not that big you just needed 12 guys to get, you know, get test positive on one team before you're going to start enforcing a rule. You know? No, I mean, that just that just speaks to, the, you know, the, the incompetencies of Manfred and his team. But, you know, I think if you're a baseball fan and you want to watch baseball for the rest of the summer, you know, cross your fingers that all the tests come back negative from the Philadelphia Phillies. Because uh, if you if, one thing I did uh, kind of notice in, in reading about this today, you know, preparing for the podcast was. The Marlins played uh, an exhibition game against the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves seem to have – they were kind of the hotbed of the – you know, out of the MLB teams. Freddie Freeman was sick. They had a number of other cases pop up. Uh, but what, what – two guys that, you know, tested positive for COVID-19 right before the season were their two catchers. And I think that that's a, that's a huge red flag because, you know – I, you know, I caught when I when I play baseball, you're not six feet away from the other team and you are, you know, dealing with spitting of seeds and, you know, bat, you know, spitting on your batting gloves. So if a batter can pass along this virus to a catcher, you know, that's that's really concerning in terms of how this is going to pan out, because if you get some guy for one team out frolicking about going to bars, hanging out with people catch it bring it onto the field and he just you know in a for one quick lapse of judgment spits on his batting gloves you know whatever they was it the, the mist whatever you know things we've learned about since this covid came about hits the catcher and he gets sick he spreads it so they i don't know how about it just about he spits and it the umpire gets it some seven sixty something right. year old overweight guy like joe west 
right exactly like dying from it real problem yeah real problematic uh individuals who can have well i mean you can't say just them i mean erod was healthy and and he's seeing some real negative repercussions of contracting this thing so yeah you're exactly right bill i mean god forbid one of these umpires who may be in their 60s or 70s who may not be the perfect bill of health you don't want them getting it because they may not be able to umpire next year you know, the other thing, too, to I, I think that not many people have really even talked about or said is, you know, we're worried that Major League Baseball is going to cancel the season. What's to stop a state from saying, no, well, you're not playing baseball in the state of Massachusetts anymore. I just saw what happened in Pennsylvania and, and these players going all wild. Clearly, you're not, you know, you're not putting the your protocols mean nothing. What's to stop Charlie Baker to say, like, yeah, no, Sox is Fox baseball is not happening in Massachusetts. I'm not allowing teams and police players flying in because these leagues are not enforcing these protocols. Canada you know, did it to the Blue Jays. Right. Great you know, point. Yeah. Right. What's to stop? What's to stop the state of Pennsylvania from finding out the results now from the Phillies? Let's say to your point, Matt, that the Phillies have, you know, they test and there's an outbreak with with that organization. Governors of states could go and just say, "Hey, uh, Uncle Rob, I'm sorry, but unfortunately, you know." You guys weren't uh, following the rules that you put in place, so you can't play baseball in the state of New York. Then what are you going to do? Because you know they didn't think about that. There's no backup plans for that because they barely had backup plans for half the stuff that they talked about. Imagine this. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has been one of the most strict and stringent governors in the country in terms of you know, shutting down their state. Let's say he is the guy who says, no more baseball in California. You're talking about the Padres, the Angels, the A's, the Dodgers. You're talking about some. You're talking a, a bunch of teams, almost an entire. You know, you're you're collapsing two divisions if you're saying that you cannot play baseball in this state. Major, that's Major a great baseball, point. That's a great point. Major League Baseball could ruin this for the, or, or could make this a lot more difficult for the NFL. You know, I'm not saying that. You know, just because Major League Baseball wasn't policing this fully that the NFL is going to really, you know, ultimately suffer for it. But again, if, if, if baseball doesn't get ahead of this and we find out in the next coming days that more players from the Marlins or again, more players from the Phillies or another team, and it starts to expand states start to say, okay, no, we're all set. You know, it might be a little bit harder for us to imagine what this fall could be like with football. I, you know, I just think that that's another piece that people weren't talking about. They were so quick to be like, oh, the season's going to get canceled, rah, rah, rah. Well, you know what? Not because of Manfred, but because the governors are going to be like, no, like, we can't have this. I can't I, – if I'm a governor of a state, and whether people who are going to listen to this podcast believe coronavirus is a thing or it's not, or wearing a mask is going to help or it's not going to wear a mask, whatever, if I'm a governor of a state, I don't want to be that governor whose state – blew the hell up and caused the next big wave in the country. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that, that woman. I don't want to be that person that has that looming over me because I'm done as an elected official. I'm not going to get reelected. And it's just going to, I just, so, you know, again, I don't, we don't, we don't do politics with, with the show and nor do I want to, but I just think that there's a, there's a lot of other angles that people are missing that can really affect the sport. And I, and I don't want it to happen. I really want to see, if baseball can manage through this, because at some point, everyday life, we have to figure out how we're going to manage with this virus. You know, how can these sports leagues manage within within this virus? How can our everyday life and our businesses, 
you know, operate with, with, with COVID-19. We have to kind of go through some, you know, unfortunately some tougher times to, to be able to know how we're going to manage through it. You know, it, it just, it's a bad look when it really feels like people aren't paying attention to what's happening and especially baseball. And it's on such a huge, huge, you know, you know, platform. And here's one more. If you're a Red Sox fan, you need this season to at least get into September so that that resets the luxury tax. Because if that doesn't happen, you're stuck with the same pitching next year that you have this year. And the mm-hmm. inflexibility to yeah. go out and get somebody. That's a great – no, it, it, you, you just hit the nail right in the head, Bill. And, you know, another baseball factor in terms of this whole coronavirus thing, most owners – well, not most owners. I guess there was a, a, a pretty decent handful of owners who, you know, would put their businessman hat on and said that they would have rather shut the season down than play with no fans. Now, I imagine things haven't changed for them. So if they have a chance and they see an opening to shut down the season – Maybe even the owners themselves, you know, take this chance to shut yeah, it down. They want, they want to get so to think, the playoffs because that's where they're going to make their TV money. So I think no, they, you, no, you're there. definitely right. But if 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 they, you don't think that if they saw an out to shut this thing down in the first week, teams like the Royals or the Pirates wouldn't take that chance. No, I th- wouldn't try. They're not going to make. They're going to lose a ton of more money if they do that at this point. You know, they, I'm sure they've had to invest quite a bit just to get the season ramped up and get going where they are. So if if they were to cancel the season now and not get to the playoffs and get all that lucrative TV money, you know that might be at, at least even out the books a little bit more. But if they can't even get yeah. that, they're really in the hole. Yeah, that's, I didn't think of it that way. That's a good point, Bill. That gives me a little more optimism on the on on them fighting for the continuation of the season. Because when I saw this spike up, I that was the first place that my brain went so you know you've talked me off the ledge a little bit bill thank you very much both of you guys have done a fantastic job on helping you know my positivity in in terms of baseball in the red sox so you know thank you guys very very much well, red sox got a little threat going here in the third you know if you do want a quick red sox update devers has already made his second arrow oh, this game and hey matt benintendi's up first and second nobody out I told you, what did I say, guys? You know, because I bashed him, the guy's going to go off today, or he's going to hit into a double play. We'll see. Double play? It'd be fitting if he just hit into a triple play. I don't just turn the TV off and watch something else. <laughs> There's a lot of options out there. Um, You know, and just, you know, one other thing, like, I, I don't want people who are going to listen to think, like, the overall tone is negative and stuff about, like, cause with this, with the team and stuff like that. I mean, I think there are some positives you know, with the team, I'm looking forward, you know, to, we talked about JD Martinez hitting out of the number two hole, I'm looking to see like what he can produce out of that hole. I'm looking to see, you know, with this Red Sox bullpen, you know, Brazier was not good at all during the exhibition. So I personally don't think he should have made the team, but that's, that's just me. But I'm looking to see, you know, can Workman, you know, repeat what he, what he did last year. You know, I, I like Colton Brewer. I think he, again, for me, sleeper in the bullpen. I really, really think this dude came in with a whole different mindset. They have him under control for the next couple of years. You know what I mean? Like, he could be a huge, huge piece. And if this team is out of it, and this is a guy that they have under control for the next couple of years, this uh, Benny struck out. Yeah, um, I just saw that, too. Yeah. 
He's done that multiple times this season. Is that he, he I mean, it. how many how many times do people strike out in their entire career where they fall to a knee? This guy's done it multiple times already in, in four games. It's, it must be the hair. Hair is weighing him down. The Benny locks. But I, I don't know. But you know, I, I Brewer could be a, to me Brewer could be a guy that could bring him some pieces back. You know, if you know if this team's not in it, and I mean they're down four nothing, fourth game of the year, but. Um, I don't know. I, I just I like to see if this team can kind of just get on a little bit of a roll, get us a little excited about watching Red Sox baseball for this this weird year. Let me post a quick question to you guys. Given Heim Bloom's background and you know how he's learned how to build the franchise in a in a in a in a contender, do you think that he may be trying to lose in 2020? Because these, this season does reflect next year's draft. And being terrible in a 60-game season is a lot better for ownership to sell than being bad in a 162-game season. So do you guys think that 2020 is a year where Bloom and all the other Red Sox execs are hoping to lose? That's, that's a really good question, Matt. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I would hope that they're not trying to lose, but there's a difference between not trying to lose and not trying to win either. And I think I think Huge given difference. the given the hand he was dealt, maybe he is not tanking it, but you know and, and with the situation with the shortened season and everything, you know, knowing that he'll get a huge mulligan on it, yeah, maybe maybe he's not exactly as invested in this season as he normally would have been. Yeah, and, and not you know, maybe I'm putting my tinfoil hat on here, I don't know, but Next year's draft is going to be highlighted by an absolute stud starting pitcher from the University of Vanderbilt. Is it Vanderbilt yeah. University or University of Vanderbilt? I don't know. But Kumar Rocker, that kid is as as hyped as a pitching prospect coming out of college, maybe since Steven Strasburg. So you want a quick – not necessarily a quick fix, but you want a real fix to your pitching depths in terms of your prospects? Bringing a guy like Rocker would be – a game changer. I mean, maybe maybe Bloom's thinking of a rocker Blaze Jordan future. I don't know. But I mean, it, it when you have when you're start. I mean, when you're starting Matt Hall on Tuesday, it feels a little like that. I guess I don't know. You know, whenever a team tanks to get that top pick, does it ever work out? I guess the Colts did it. The Colts no, it did doesn't. It for Andrew Luck. That and it didn't work out. Long it term, work out. it didn't work out. I mean, they at least got the pick. That's right, it didn't work out. No, right, right. But I'm saying, to your point, even the best example that we have of it working it out, didn't working work. out, yeah, didn't work right, out. Right. So it only just you know example you know uh, amplifies your you know your point. Well, Danny Ainge traded faults, and he ended up picking Tatum. Yeah, but well, that was just I like mean, that was just highway robbery because he would have taken Tatum at one one. He saw a team who was willing to give up future assets to move up two spots. Where he still was going to get his guy, that was a no-brainer. You also had the ML car years when they t- uh, tanked to get try to get Tim Duncan, yeah. and then the lottery balls and didn't that, fall their way. Yeah. But nope. in baseball, there are no lotteries. That's true. If they stink, the, if they're the biggest stinker, they will get the first overall pick. But that would mean that you would have to be worse than the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Baltimore Orioles. Well, well they already mean, they already gave way to the Orioles. Have the tiebreaker right now. Orioles are in first place, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they are. Yeah. 
Uh, and the Giants won two games, and the and the and the Detroit Tigers were more competent than the Red Sox overall. Like maybe. But you know, after three games, nobody's undefeated. Everybody's either two and one or one and two. Uh, it is pretty yeah. well. I mean, that's just baseball, right? Isn't well, that usually baseball? you'll have somebody who'll rip off a five and zero, oh, six and zero. Oh. Right, and one sixty two. But when you shrink the games down, that would be more like a fifteen yeah, and zero oh, or it's still uh, or the first five six games of the season. Oh no, definitely. I, I you know I'm just trying to make some sort of point here. I don't know. Sometimes I just say things I don't know. <laughs> well, it does make for a lively podcast. Yeah, that's what we so do. Speaking here. of lively podcasts, we still have a few items that we want to talk about, but we are already over the hour and thirty mark. So why don't we try something a little different this time? Why don't we call this one a wrap and put out a second special episode later this week? What do you guys think of that? Ooh. Well, like we it. must be charging these people if we're going to do that. No, it's all it's all we can't, all we this sh- great content is for free. Get out of it here! Is. Get not, out! Of here. It does not cost you a dime. I mean, this is as good as a stimulus check. It cost check. me quite a bit to do all this, but that's another story. But then again, I'm, you know, I mean, my multi-million dollar salary more than offsets that. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it, you are recording from a yacht right now, am I not right? Uh, Aren't you off the coast of Nantucket right <laughs> yeah, now? Yeah, that's where I am. I just had uh, lunch with Bill, and now we're floating out on on the boat. You, Bill, and David yep. Portnoy on your yacht right now. <laughs> So, guys, let's wrap this one up. Uh, any final thoughts on the Red Sox in general? You know, I don't really have much to say. I mean, we've, we, we've kind of turned over every rock during the show, so I, I'm going to root for them. So even though I have not been necessarily positive, I'm rooting for them, and I'm also rooting for the players to do the right thing and be safe and, you know, wear a mask and not go out so that the season can continue. So, you know. I, 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 I'll, I'll try to remain and positive. I have one more reason for baseball to continue is that so we can come back and do more Red Sox podcasts to be named later. Later on in the season. Exactly. You guys want to hear more. I mean, how much Michael Keaton Batman talk can we well, bring? Well, we can bring plenty of that, too. But that's also true. We're not going off the rails today. So, Chris, unless you have uh, a final thought you want to add. I mean, if people want to pay for content, I'll drop my Venmo on my Twitter uh, page. You can still get to find it in the top here where the bio's at. Feel free to drop some money in the old Venmo. Uh, no, I, I'm still, as much as I'm a little frustrated and concerned about the Red Sox, um, and I say this as Wilson Ramos just drops one over the head of Jackie Bradley, um, I'm still going to – I'm still going to – I just – I think they just get too much of offensive talent that they're that they're not going to at least try to be somewhat competitive in these ball games. But who knows? Um, if, if not, it's just going to you know this year sucks already, and it's going to really suck to watch the stocks just not play well at all. I, I hope I hope they can turn around quick. Agreed, agreed. All right, gentlemen, let's call it a wrap for this episode and get ready to come back for the next one. So. Matt, Chris, thank you as always. Everybody at home, thanks for listening, and wear your mask. Thanks. Later. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM and Jay Kelly.